Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. I grind every day just so I can live a better life. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's The Big Show. Is everybody ready? Monday, Monday. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, broadcasting live from our Carrier Zone studios here at Vivint Arena. Austin Horton producing today across the glass from us. What's going on over there, Gordon? Are you are you wearing a, uh, quick question, are you wearing a Pan Am shirt? Yes, I am. Hasn't Pan Am been defunct since like the late 80s? At least. <laughs> That's 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 an old shirt. A buddy of mine, his dad was a pilot from Pan Am. Flew all over the world and flew his claim to fame was he flew the Beatles. Was his name Frank Abagnale? By chance? No. Flew the 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 Beatles? Flew the Beatles wow. across the pond. I see. Anyway, yeah. And and flying uh, those prop jobs was really something back then before the <laughs> the advent of the jet engine. It was a jet. It was a jet. Pan Am, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, how about that? That's quite the way to to start the show. Yeah. So is the fact that we have Mike Conley news. Uh, Austin, what do we have? This just coming from the Jazz Twitter account. Mike Conley is out tonight with mild right hamstring strain. That uh, mild hamstring strain doesn't seem so mild, you know. Well, I mean, he's only technically missed three games, so it's not like he's been out a month. Well, how long has he been out? Three games. <laughs> I was three. Yeah, but how long has that been? How much time um, was there between? That was just a couple, couple. Let's see, like a week. The Jazz had like four days extra. Is they played it? every other night, so I know. It, but the hang time from the first series, right? So like so. a week and a half. Yeah, okay. it's not like a month. He's not uh, done for the the year. If it's a month, the Jazz is going to be <laughs> floating on rafts here. Uh, Twelve days today. Twelve days. There you go. All right. They need him. They need that man. Yeah, and they need opinion. him. They need him healthy and ready to perform and able to continue to perform. And I get it. I mean, the last thing the Jazz want is to put him out on the floor and have him come up hobbling again. I mean, that doesn't do anybody well, any good. And I know nobody's looking forward, but to look forward for right. a second, if they did get past the yeah. the Clippers in this series, you know, Chris Paul is playing some incredible incredible basketball. And you would like to have a healthy Mike Conley in the quiver. So, so you think that actually goes through folks' minds, the power brokers with the Jazz, where they say, okay, obviously his health is uh, our number one concern, but even if, if we bring him back now, if he's unable to go or he hurt, gets hurt again, then, then it's, it's useless anyway. Well, that's why these types of discussions are really so very delicate. Mm-hmm. Because on the surface, right, what you want to believe is what Coach Chiesa, who's going to be on the show today, uh, told us a couple of weeks ago when Donovan was going through his situation with the Jazz, is that the the meta, you know, the doctor makes the call, 
and that you can you it's either healthy for you to play or healthy for you not to play. That's that's how we envision it. That's how it should be. Mm-hmm. But it's often uh, con- uh, let, let me uh, complicated <laughs> by various situations and scenarios. How about complicated? As in combo. So should you be thinking... Different, different opinions can arise sometimes. Should you be thinking <clears throat> about those sorts of things? Probably, as, as a friend. But who should be thinking about that? You know, should the player be thinking about playing at all costs? You know, and then we get into the 90%, 80%, 70%. Is he 65 and a quarter? <laughs> you know, and we get into that whole discussion about, you know, get, just because you can play, should you play? I mean, it, it's just not as simple as, you know, uh, a doctor standing there going thumbs up, thumbs down. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and I would hope that Mike has a big role in this decision himself. Yeah, I would we, hope. Yeah, we'd hope so. Yeah, and sometimes doctors have varying opinions. See, that's why it gets complicated. But when Quinn was asked about that, about whether okay, after the first two games, you're going to play him in Game Three, you won the first two games without him. So is it uh, is it good to just push that back a ways? And Quinn said, No, that's if he if he could play, he'd be playing. And um, so that's that's what's being said. Which it's, is all he really can say. I mean, as a coach, once you get into the business of pressuring your injured player to play or not, I mean, that's crossing a pretty – I mean, we're, now we're getting into varsity blues territory, yeah. right? Where I, keep keep that needle out of uh, Wendell's <laughs> leg. See, uh, the Austin co- gets that the coach, reference. The coach doesn't really have a say so in this stuff. I don't think. I don't yeah. think. But my point is, I don't think a coach wants a say so yeah. in this sort of thing. Or if I were in that situation, I certainly wouldn't. Would right. I rather have my guy playing? Sure, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bias his medical treatment with my wish, my desire to have him back out there. And that's probably a difficult temptation to stay away from in some circumstance. But I, uh, that's what I'd want as a coach. And I imagine that that Mike wants to play. I mean, if it were left up to him, he'd probably be out there. I I don't know that for a fact, but he seems like that type, as opposed to somebody who's going to nurse it and nurse it forever, you know, uh, with other concerns in mind. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. But this is is tricky business now because Donovan comes up limping at the end of Game 3 and – um, and the word there is that he's good to go, and uh, and that's what uh, that's what Quinn said. That's what Donovan said. But you got to wonder a little bit, man. You know, that thing's been bothering him for a long time now, and um, obviously he's been able to perform at a high level. But uh, I I wonder, wouldn't it be just wouldn't it be a kick in the head to have? The Jazz have a season like this, and then have it be messed over in the playoffs by injuries. I mean, it's it's already compromised with Mike's deal, and we'll see how it goes for Donovan. But it's it's frustrating because this team is this team is good, you well, know. Well, it's happened before to the Jazz, and it's happened to a lot of teams in the NBA, and particularly, I think, the modern NBA. Maybe we can discuss that at a well, later date. But, I mean, look no further than Kawhi's championship in Toronto. I mean, how much did injuries affect that? Yeah, or and even, it's happening uh, to the Nets right now. Yes, exactly. I mean, even think back to the, uh, the Cavs v. the Warriors, where uh, Steph Curry was uh, wounded big time in that uh, in that series, yeah. it, you know, and uh, that certainly had an effect on on the Cavs' ability to come back from down three one. Well, after watching Game Three, it sure looks to me like they miss Mike Conley in a big way, and, and I mean, yeah, everybody knows that, right? But they did win those first two games, and in that third game, man, could they have used their All Star guard? Well, yeah. let's get into it. Let's uh, let's dive into it. We have a Game Four to talk about tonight. It's time for the split story. Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. Two. Utah, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Back out to Donovan. Catch and shoot three with seven on the shot clock. He hits it. My goodness gracious, Donovan Mitchell with just a sliver of air on the right side. And Donovan's heated up in the quarter, has eight points. Donovan wanting a pick from Rudy. 
It's a 2-3 zone again, I think. O'Neal bobbles the pass, breaks the 45, skip pass to Bogdanovich at his feet, goes down to get it, drives, Clarkson circles behind him, gets the pass, fires the shot, and scores. Donovan pats Quinn on the back three times, now turns away from Quinn and away from the game action as Leonard hits a three, and the Jazz are now down 18, and Donovan walks back to the bench. I think it's all connected. Uh, you know, obviously, you got to give them credit. You know, they, they shot the ball really well uh, from three. I don't know that I don't have the numbers, but it really felt like they were, you know, they were hitting, you know, some contested ones too. And, you know, we've got to make sure we, we, we don't give them the open ones. And we've got to make sure that once again, you know, we, we don't allow them to, to play in transition or to get offensive rebounds because we know that usually they, they're going to score of those, you know, of those opportunities. So it's, you know, give them credit. They, they, they made a lot of shots, and, you know, uh, we got to do a better job next game. All right, Gordon, game four, Jazz Clippers tonight. Of course, the Jazz with a two-games-to-one lead in the series. Game three did, certainly did not go the Jazz way. Uh, they lost 132-106, to but I, I was talking to somebody over the weekend. Really, the Jazz were down 10 that whole game. Most I mean, it, could, yeah. not, could not kind of crack back any closer and uh, then at the end, when it turned into garbage minutes, you know, that's why the Clippers scored 38 points. But uh, it was pretty much a, a one-sided though, affair. Really, those those garbage minutes didn't have to be turned into garbage minutes. I mean... But it didn't matter. I mean... The, well, it kind of... Well, I mean... Yeah, because... Those went guys, up, they went up, what, 16-18 with like seven minutes left to play? There's still time to win that game if it's 10. Right? Well, all right. Well, I'm more referring to when they got steamrolled when... Ilyasova and company yeah, were in. Yeah, yeah. That, that's uh-huh. what I'm saying. Doesn't okay. matter, I suppose. They, yeah, I, I get your point. Um, but yeah, the Jazz did not play well. But I do think part of it uh, is we we need to give the Clippers some due because they did play well. And Ty Lu, who I'll I'll readily admit, I was doubting Ty a little bit after uh-huh. games one and two. He he strung together a, a great game plan yeah. that worked really really well and did some things to really limit the impact of the Jazz two best players some stuff that Coach Snyder and the staff are going to have to crunch into and and figure out and then Kawhi and Paul George and and the supporting cast but those two in particular they they showed up to play the, you, you, you the Clippers are good too those guys played fantastic and then they got lots of help from Batum and from yeah. uh, Jackson again. I mean, yeah, the Jazz had opportunities in that game, but they played like they didn't have to win it. They played like they didn't have to win it, and the Clippers played like they had to win it. And and they were on point. They were, you know, focused and, and, and uh, efficient. And, Jake, um, you know, when they're blitzing Donovan like that, it, it – Donovan said he hadn't seen that since uh, his high school days, but it seems like Houston did that to him, too. Yeah, that might have been a little hyperbole, but it was effective nonetheless. Yeah, and when he – he was making some nice passes. He made some mistakes, but he he made some nice passes to guys who missed open looks. And when that happens, when they're going after Donovan like that, the other guy's got to step up. And, look, I mean, I know they're human beings and whatnot, but you're in the playoffs now. And Boyan Bogdanovich can't go to a ten. Uh, you know that can't happen in a in a in an important game in the playoffs. Jazz aren't getting much help from their bench. Uh, it's and and part of that has to do with the fact that Mike Conley isn't available to them, and so everything gets shifted up a little. But uh, the Jazz had an opportunity to really pretty much close this series out, and they couldn't do it. And uh, and yeah, so but, yeah, the Clippers are good. That, that's exactly you, you said it right. You didn't expect the Jazz to sweep this series. No, I didn't either. No, no, I, mean, I that, didn't. The Clippers are are better than that. I mean, the, what the Nuggets today should be embarrassed. <laughs> they should absolutely be embarrassed for their performance in the second round. Yeah. I mean that that wasn't going to be the Clippers. At least I didn't think it right. was. I agree. Um, and you know, you talk about the Jazz. There were some guys that struggled. You know, game two, everybody played well. That wasn't the case. Um, certainly in Game 3, you mentioned uh, they didn't get much off the bench. They didn't get anything off the bench. Yeah. Jordan Clarkson had 14, and he was okay, but they got literally zero from everybody else. Yeah. So that, that you know, those guys need to have better games. They do. George Niang, was, if George Niang plays like that, George Niang can't play. And he's right. admitted that in the past where, you know, he had, there are certain things he has to do if he's going to play, and he didn't do he them struggled. in Game number 3. Um 
So, you know, there were some things to adjust to. Here, here's where I'll give Ty Lue his due, and this is what the Jazz have to figure out, as far as I see it. Okay. Feel free to disagree. They played ISO basically the whole game. And what that does is it takes Rudy not out of it because Rudy's going to find a way to, to play and he's going to have to figure out how to be more impactful, but they're they're not running any pick and rolls with Rudy because they're keeping him as far away from the ball as possible, thus Nicholas Batum standing in the mm-hmm. corner, et cetera. And Rudy has done a good job at times in this series closing out to that three, but it's a really tough ask for him. And if you don't bring him to the ball with the pick and roll, it's much more difficult for him to be impactful on the defensive end, and that's something you're going to have to figure out. So they limit Rudy that way. And not to mention Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in the ISO. I mean, yes, please. I mean, that's yeah. a pretty easy call. But anyway, uh, that that was that was one adjustment. You mentioned the other. You know, get the ball out of Donovan Mitchell's hands. You know, that's that's something that they're going to have to figure out. And I I disagree with you a little bit on the on on your Donovan take, just because I thought he made a few really bad decisions from that came from a good place, meaning. He felt the team's need for a play, mm-hmm. and he made the wrong one because he, you know, kind of the the temptation where oh, I'm going to go take this over, you know, that kind of thought where he crashes into four guys, right? And it, if if you're playing one on four, somebody's open, especially you know? against a team like this, uh, it's difficult, right? You know, I mean, it's difficult enough going one on two, let alone one on three, one I, on four. I think Donovan would. Probably rep. Hearing how he's talked about making the right reads in the past, I would guess that he would agree with that. But you take. can understand but, why he might be frustrated when he is delivering the ball, which he did on some occasions, and the guys were missing open shots. Well, he's got to fight that because that's not what makes the Jazz great. Yeah. I mean, he's a great player, but he's not what makes them a great team. See, this is what's so difficult about not having Mike Conley is that Mike could be. The frick to the frack, you know. Alleviate some of it. Yes, he take Mm -hmm. the pressure off Donovan so he can create some damage, so they can't gang up on Donovan the way they the way they have been. And Donovan preaches to his teammates, "Keep shooting. We want you to shoot." I mean, that's what he says. He needs to mean it. Yeah. Uh, and particularly on nights like Game Three, yeah. you need to have a little. And maybe your team lets you down. God, that sounds terrible. But he needs to try. And ironically enough, that's exactly what he said after Game Two. Is I've got to trust my guys, and that's what got them the the win in game two when he didn't have a huge second half. Yeah, and so maybe he was quote unquote let down in game three, but he's got to keep trusting because if if it's just he, Donovan against the Clippers, it's not going to work. And even on some of those shots that he made, you just kind of shook your head and said, "How did that just happen?" Right. You know, it was kind of like, "Wow, okay, the degree of difficulty on these shots is quite high." Uh, the French judge was giving him a, a 10, I think. And that's why you tip your hat at those. That's why, you you know, you don't come at him and say, you know, why'd you t-? You want Donovan to be aggressive, mm-hmm. but he's also got to he's got to make the right read. Too. Well, Quinn said that he said the OK, that that defense, the, uh, the Clippers were playing was quite aggressive. And he said, how do you attack that kind of aggression with aggression? Right. But to attack with aggression, you have to be smart and keep your head on a swivel and keep guys in your view so that you can get them the ball or get the ball where it needs to go in order to take advantage of this uh, this, this aggression that the Clippers came out. I mean, they were pressuring the whole court. Yeah. But Donovan's also got to go, hey, you missed that one. You'll get them the next time. I mean, yeah. you got to have that. Instead and, of trying to take, and, it, take on everybody. Because the Clippers are just too good for that. Yeah. And, you know, if it were, if the Jazz played like the Mavericks and just gave Donovan the ball the whole time, the Jazz would probably be a pretty good team because Donovan's that good. But as you've noted so many times in the past, and I think you're right on the money, the difference between good and great is, is vast and difficult to do. And I think what's given the Jazz their great record and made them a great team this year is Donovan's willingness to embrace others. So let me ask you, let's back this thing up. What can the Jazz do to get the ball to Rudy Gobert so that he he'll do something with it offensively? Well, I mean it's hard because of the way the Clippers are playing, but I think you think that small ball is just too difficult for Rudy. Well, the the problem is is that the passing angles and it's not the easy play, uh-huh. right? 
And a lot of times Jazz offense is set up for that easy play to get the open shot, and it's not often the, you know, you saw Donovan, speaking of Donovan, really thread the needle to Rudy. And Coach Lacoma and I were both like, wow, I can't believe Rudy caught that. And he ended up getting fouled and going to the line. Uh You know, so maybe it is they have to get a little bit more creative with their passing. But the aggression from Rudy needs to continue where you're going to get a benefit from making that more difficult play. And you could have faith in Rudy that he's not going to dance around it, that he's at very least going to force contact and go to the line. Yeah. You know, and, play and that's with what the we, little, said, we said yeah. that before the season, series started. But that's not necessarily the easy play to make, the way the, the Clippers are playing against the Jazz pick and roll. So, But if Donovan Mitchell is, is putting pressure on the defense and guys are collapsing on him, those two things, the one that you mentioned and the one that I mentioned, have to happen. He has to hit the open man. And the open man has to hit the open shot. Right. Which, that has to happen. Or else you're going to get these long rebounds and the Clippers are going the other way and hitting threes and the Jazz are dead. You know, I, uh, you know. In well, fact, uh, Quinn even used that expression after game three. He said we had, uh, I think he said, I'm paraphrasing, was some along the lines of we had too many dead possessions. Well, they here's one afterthought, too. They missed an incredible amount of layups, which is – I, I find it frustrating to watch because when you get a layup, the play worked. <laughs> it's you so know? hard to it's, get a layup, so and hard. that's the easiest part. That's right. That's like, uh, I don't know what's what's an accurate comparison in uh, in uh, another sport. But Well, it's yeah, like it's, pool having the ball right in front of the pocket and then hitting the ball in and having the, the cue ball go in, too, right. scratching. How about this one? And I've got tennis on the brain today because the— the Joker, an overhead, the the French Open champ, the overhead where you work your opponent into the point where they're so desperate they just heave up a easy <laughs> one that all you have to do is put it in the right place. You don't even need to hit it hard. You just you know put it in the right place and the point's over. And I can't tell you how many times, Gordon, I'm looking at that juicy overhead and I'm thinking, oh man, I am going to absolutely make Sports Center with this thing. <laughs> and then you just rifle it flat right into the backstop. You know what I mean? Yeah, you had an easy, but anyway, the Jazz a, missed a lot of layups. A missed layup is a drop touchdown pass. Yes, well, I mean, maybe a little less quant- consequential than that, but yeah, I get your point. You did the hard part. You got open. The pass was there. You know, all the stuff that usually goes wrong in the play is, is entirely successful. You have it right in your hands, only to look at it fall on the carpet. You know what I mean? And the reason making taking advantage of those situations is. The Clippers are good. Yeah. They are good, especially, you know, when when they have the momentum on their home floor and everything. I know that Dallas series was weird as far as that went, but the Jazz have to take advantage of their their opportunities, and they have to earn those opportunities. And once they earn them, capitalize on them. And and, uh, I'm sure this is what Gwen is talking to his players about yesterday. Well, ever since the game ended, they've probably had some pretty serious discussions about remembering who they are and what they do. Because they've seen this stuff before. I mean, they've seen this before. Yeah, they they have. Uh, they need to do, uh, you know, what Bojan Bogdanovic did when he was struggling shooting the ball in the year, where he just started like, okay, I'm going to start making my layups, and then the rest <laughs> is going to come. That's what Coach Snyder needs to pull the team aside and say, and say, listen, let's start with making our layups, and then we'll see how it goes from there. <laughs> It reminds me of the time that I was in the, the jazz practice facility and I was uh, shooting three-pointers and Quinn saw me and he walked over and he pointed at the elbow. Get in here close. See if you can make that first. Yeah, yeah you said it exactly right, Jake, that uh, bo- it, this is at both ends. I mean, the Clippers were absolutely excellent all over the court. And that that needs to the Jazz need to find a way to put a dent in that. They have to be able to score. And 132 points, Jake. I know at the end it really was just sort of well, hey, how about garbage this? ball, but still, that's too many. Let's dive into that on the other side, the the defensive side. We talk a lot about the scoring. And to be honest, I'm not all that worried about the scoring. I think the Jazz are going to figure out a way to score the basketball. The other <laughs> The other, I think, is a bit of an issue. The other. The sounds other. Like, that sounds like the name of a movie. Is that a movie? The other? 
or the others? The others. Yeah. The other. It's a terrible horror film. The other side of the ball. Well, it was a horror film. We'll get to that coming up next. Stay tuned. A lot of uh, NBA basketball, of course, on the show today. Stay tuned. Mannix will be with us four. Coach jo- uh, Coach Chiesa is going to join us at three. But joining the show right now, he's our good friend from the Lone Depot. He's our buddy Matt. What's going on, Matt? Hey, guys. How are you? We are terrific. How about yourself? Things good? No, oh, doing well. I can tell you, though, it's, it's, it's probably not the best idea to do a, a radio spot after you've come on a red eye from vacation. <laughs> I was actually in, 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 in Hawaii, uh. and, uh, and, I, and I think I saw... Gordon, your name up on the Hilawea chart of surfers. Uh, have you done a lot of surfing in Hawaii? Uh, I have done quite a bit, but uh, I would be surprised if I were on the chart. Uh, you know, because I mean, I'm getting along in age a little bit and slowing down a tad bit. But uh, anyway, if if by surfing uh, you mean you know, relaxing <laughs> in a chair, then then <laughs> did you have a good did you have a good time Matt, on your vacation? Oh, it was great. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Uh, the, getting there and back is, is quite the ordeal um, with, uh, you know, with all the, the COVID restrictions and things like that. But, yeah, we had a good time. Good. Well, uh, Matt, let's, let's dive into uh, reverse mortgages. I know uh, we've got a lot to get to today. Where should we start? Well, let's, let's kind of start with the basics. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it's so funny because I've had a lot of people that have, that have called and say, hey, you know, we, we, we want to have you on more often or, you know, we didn't write down your number and we want to ask questions. So um, make sure that you take the time to, um, you know, to call and, and ask the questions that you need. But, but yeah, so a reverse mortgage is, is a, a program that is very misunderstood. Uh, it's a program that um, has changed a lot in the past few years. Uh, one of the first uh, responses that I have when I say reverse mortgage to someone is pushback. Hey, I, I know what this is. This is not a good program. But I can tell you it has changed dramatically from where it used to be. And it really is a premium program that is helping so many people. Um, you know, a couple of the, the pieces to it. Um, this program allows um, home buyers that are 62 and over uh, the ability to not have to make principal and interest payments anymore. Now, you still need to you know, pay property taxes, insurance, maintain the property, you to be a primary residence. But your principal and interest payments become optional. Now, in our next segment, we're going to go through how amazing this program is if you actually make payments because there is a line of credit option, which is really, really um, enticing. But, um, you know, if you think about it, you know, the ability to, to kind of call it, uh, call it a day and not have to make those principal interest payments is, uh, can be a big deal. Um, so one of the things to kind of think about, if you've got about 50%, um, you know, equity position, and, and as you know, we've seen a huge increase in the market as far as real estate. And so a lot of people are in a, in a position to where this actually makes sense. Um, but, yeah, we're going to be doing a couple of things, um, you know, throughout the day and kind of hitting on it. I do want to push um, an event that we're going to be having on Wednesday at noon. Um, it's going to be catered. We're going to have lunch, um, and it will be an informational event. So if you've thought about reverse mortgages for yourself or your parents, this is a great time to come on out, um, ask the questions that you would like to ask, and, um, and we can get you the information that you need. As always, Matt also gives out his cell phone, 801-330-2200. That's 801-330-2200. Find out more about that great event and how this can help you. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, guys. That's our friend Matt from Lone Depot, 801-330-2200. More on the jazz coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update. Ring the 30-point belt. Jazz Clippers, game four tonight. Jazz have a two games to one advantage in the series. Mike Conley has been ruled out for tonight's game, still recovering from that hamstring. Donovan Mitchell, of course, came up limping in game number three. He talked about how he's feeling. I'm good. Um, that's, that's all I got for you. I'm good. Um, it happened. Situation happened. I feel like I was able to go back, but no need to risk it down 16, 18 at that point. It's when I land. Um, you know, it's been, uh, it's been just trying to manage it. <laughs> um, I don't really know how, what else to tell you. I don't want to say too much. So, um, yeah, it was just a landing, uh, but I'm good. I'll be ready for game four. 
Game four tonight will begin at 8 o'clock. Of course, you'll hear all the action right here on the Zone Sports Network. Pre-game coverage from the plaza out front of Vivint Arena begins at 7. This update brought to you by Syringa Networks. If you're working from home or with a hybrid workforce, get a powerful IT partner. Syringa Networks, call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. You can't stop me now. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O' Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O' Tires. The team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good times for a change. See the luck I've had can make a good man turn back. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone Band of the Day today. The Smiths, selected by Gordon and brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artists inside at LiveNation.com. Any inspiration here today, no. Gordon? Just, uh, no, just, just something like, different. Felt like giving it a go, huh? We've never done the Smiths before, have we? We have. How long ago? Long time ago, huh? All right, good times. Gordon, let's talk. Uh, we're talking a lot of jazz basketball. Let's talk about the jazz defense for a minute here, as uh, the Clips uh, were amazing offensively. I mean, they shot 56% overall from the field, 52.8% from three. They made 19 threes. We talked about how the Clippers shot a, be- uh, shot a better percentage than the Jazz in the regular season, didn't take as many threes, and that certainly played out. 19 for 36 is uh, is amazing. And considering that Kawhi Leonard uh, went 1 for 6 and Marcus Morris went 0 for 2, I think that tells you how the rest of the team shot from three, which was was pretty amazing. But the fact is they got a lot of open shots because Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were beating their guy. <laughs> yeah, there's that. So that's uh, that's the issue uh, where Ty Lue is a great adjustment, goes to running more ISO because he's got two really great ISO players, and the Jazz don't have a whole lot of terrific ISO defenders, and it worked really, really well. And I, I don't know what the answer is. I think the Jazz will figure out Donovan Mitchell getting blitzed, and we'll see them score a bunch of points tonight. I don't know. I don't know what they do against the Clippers. Well, especially if Batum is hitting uh, three-pointers from the corner. Well, how do you prevent those from being open? I, and that's the idea here. <laughs> you hope he misses? Yeah. I mean, I, the power of prayer, I know, has been a big topic of conversation <laughs> around here lately. But what do you do to make it so he doesn't get so many open three-point shots? Um, you know, I have not studied Nicholas Batum's career to know whether that's a sure thing. I, I will say that Reggie Jackson sure looks like he's in the groove right now. And when he shoots the ball, Jake, it's it's touching nothing but net. It really. And so, but Nicholas Batum, I I might take my chances with him. And uh, not necessarily send Rudy out into the corner somewhere. Nicholas Batum over his career was good enough at one point to get a max contract from Charlotte. <laughs> but do I think and I haven't made a close study of his entire career, but do I think that Nicholas Batum is good enough to stand in the corner and make open three-point shots? Yes, I do. So, And Reggie Jackson, who they pulled off the scrap heap from Detroit, but was also good enough to garner a pretty big deal earlier in his career, if he can't stand out there and make open three-point shots, then come on. So how do you make these guys uncomfortable? You can't just hope that they do, that they're gonna somehow not be on fire. Well, you gotta cover Reggie Jackson. You got to. Uh, Nicholas Batum. If I mean, if Rudy's on him, kind of go out there and wave your arm around a little bit. <laughs> See if he makes his shots. If he does, then you gotta commit yourself. If he doesn't, then you can cheat off a little bit and help. Because you're right. When the, when the star players are beating their man off the dribble, the Jazz were abysmal uh, in, their, in their, well, it's easy for me to say abysmal, but we're talking about two of the best players on the planet who were eating them up. And there wasn't anything the Jazz could do about it. No. So what are they going to do about it? 
Play better defense? But, Stay between your man and the basket? But, but why is why are Batum and Reggie Jackson open? I mean, they're not they're not open because the Jazz uh, just thought, yeah, we'll leave them open on this play. The problem is, is that Rudy has to do his normal cleanup duty, and he's not a superhero. Yeah. So he can't, you know, uh, dissuade Kawhi Leonard from the rim and then magically reappear out at the three-point line. And if he does close out like he has, then he's they're moving it around the top and finding Reggie Jackson, who's open because the defense had to adjust. Well, that's why I don't hold Rudy as, as responsible, because he's covering more than one man. But you just said that Nicholas Batum was the reason that. they're winning. Well, so that's, no, I, didn't say, the problem. I didn't say he was the reason they were winning. I mean, when, when, said, when well, Kawhi, he can't make all when, those shots. When Kawhi goes for 34 and Paul George goes for 31, and then Reggie Jackson has 17, and Nicholas Batum goes for 17, I'm going to take my chances with Nick Batum. Exactly why I can't believe we're talking about him, because he's a non-factor. The problem is <laughs> is stopping the bleeding at the point of the yeah. problem is is getting beat by Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And the reason Kawhi had 34 points is because he was getting dunks. And it, you've got to prevent him from getting dunks. And then when you prevent him from getting dunks, somebody else is open. So this is why I think this problem is a much more major problem facing the Jazz coaching staff than having an off-night shooting. Okay, so hold on here a second. Uh, I know that they took a little bit of a different approach in the first two games, but why weren't those players making shots in the first two games? The way they, I mean, Paul George had a decent second because game. Because they had the audacity to try and run an offense against the Jazz. <laughs> Every coach in America just swerved off the road. No, they did. They tried to run their stuff. It didn't work because Rudy and the Jazz defensive game plan is really good. So they just said, you know what we're going to do? Run none of our stuff. And we're just going to this. This is why you have to have the best player on the floor in basketball. This is why it's so important. So what you're saying is that Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles can't stay in front of their their guys. They had trouble in Game Three. So and well, and throw in Bogdanovich, throw in Clarkson, throw in Donovan Mitchell. So you're saying they can't do it? No, I'm saying what are they going to try that's different? That's but, what I want to know. That's what I'm curious to see. How do they adjust? They have to play better defense. It just comes down to that. Well, thank you well, for I, that. Well, I mean, but what else thank are you, you going to What else are you going to say? What else are you going to say? How, you have to you have to play tougher defense. You have to do what Bogdanovich did in game 2. Okay, Gipper. Well, well, Go in no, there no, and no. get him riled up. Royce O'Neal did not play good defense in that game. You know what, guys? We're not running a game plan tonight. <laughs> well, I'm going to erase this whiteboard. Well, get on. out there and play harder. You already said it. The Clippers aren't running anything. They're, they're going ISO ball. So you got to play ISO D. Here's the thing, Gordon. This is the coaching staff that got a, that came up with the play James Harden de- play defense on James Harden from behind. <laughs> I want to see some sort of adjustment to to alleviate like this because the chess move has been made. Ty Lue made a, a great coaching move. So what does what do the Jazz do to respond? Do they blitz Kawhi and Paul like the Clippers are doing to the Jazz? What do they do? What do they do to solve this complex issue? Because Royce O'Neal isn't magically going to be able to stay in front of Kawhi Leonard 100% of the time. So what do they do? Can he stay in front of him enough of the time? So let's say a pep talk can make up for 5% (laughs) of Royce O'Neal's deficiency in game number three. What do you do for the rest? Well, okay, so let's say you blitz Kawhi Leonard. Oh, there's Paul George over there, you know? Thus, the reason they constructed the roster, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it didn't work in the yes, first two but games. But that's my point. The other team's good, too. These are, this are, is how you win playoff they series, is you solve these problems. I understand that. But how are you going to – I mean, the Jazz don't have the personnel, really, to do it with – I mean, night after night so after night. So here's what I maybe, would do. I would they... call Gordon Monts. I'd say, we need a pep talk. <laughs> We need you. We feel like the way to figure out the Clippers is a good, solid, go win no. this one for the Monsters. Well, there, there's two parts to this. The first part was the Jazz were a step slow defensively, and the second part was that the Clippers were out of their minds. So we're, I, back, I, to, we're no. back to we hope the problem solves no, itself? No, I'm, That's just, where I'm we just thinking the Clippers aren't going to shoot like that all the time. Maybe Kawhi Leonard can. I, I, I'm not sure. But... Paul George can't – Joe Ingles has to – or Royce O'Neal, whoever is on him, has to do a better job. They have to challenge those guys to stay in front of their man. Okay. Uh, what else – What? okay, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Grab Bag over there, what do you got? 
I don't know, to quote Gordon Monson uh, one time to Kevin O'Connor, I'm not paid to make these sort of decisions. <laughs> and yes, I realize that it's pretty easy to point out problems and go fix it. But at least I'm not going to the, well, they need to play harder, Cart. <laughs> well, I mean, you just need to want it more. No, I love those sort of like pulled off a daily calendar saying. You don't think a guy can have a bad day defensively like he has offensively? That can happen. Right. He can get in their face and say, Quinn says, hey, look, I need you to put, at least put up enough resistance in time for Rudy to come over and help. You know, too often that wasn't the case. So, I mean, we gave Bogdanovich credit with the way he was playing defense with intensity in game two. I didn't see that same intensity in game three. I certainly didn't see the effectiveness. Was that all on Ty Lu? I, 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 at some level, you got to play. Yeah, yeah. I I hear what you're saying, but I'm just thinking, you know, good strategy is is, you know, like a, a, what do you want to do? Throw when, up a zone? Is that what you want? I don't know. Something when uh, when uh, uh, Montgomery was going head to head with the old de- desert fox there in Libya. <laughs> Did uh, after after Rommel flanked him once? Did did Monty say, "Well, guys, go out there and fight harder," or did he change their tactic? Well, Patton came in and saved the day. Oh, not necessarily. Well, you're thinking of uh, not at the Battle of El Alamein. Oh, here we go. All right, that's true. I know, I know. Monty was just, I don't know, kind of. Here, here I, I know next battle, guys. Here's what we're going to do. The same thing we did before that just lost. I want you guys to drive the But we're going to do it harder. <laughs> All right, Mr. Know-it-all, what do you got? What do you got over there? <laughs> Basketball's different. You only have a few players to pick from. <laughs> you can't roll in with a whole different uh, you know, cluster of tanks. That's the hard part. You've got to play the hand you're dealt. You've got to play it better. <laughs> Try harder out there. I, I hear what you're saying. I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to, to make the jokes. I hear what you're saying. They can play better. They can be more focused, of course, is the buzzword that Coach Snyder loves to use all the time. I got it. But the, the schematic vulnerability there, I think, is concerning. You mean just at that talent level? Just that they don't have a whole lot of good answers, as you point out. So, you know, instead what? of saying, well, the Jazz should do this, we're going to, they should try harder, that means that Option A isn't real terrific. Well, this makes it sound like how did the Jazz ever beat the Clippers in the first place? Well, that's why playoff series are so fascinating, Gordon. It's because how do you adjust? It's more than just the adjustment. It's the ability that at the end of the day or during the day is to hit shots. You've got to make those shots. And sometimes they go in and sometimes they don't. And I know you hate that saying. So much. You hate that saying. So but it's true sometimes. They were, come on, Paul George was out of his head. Make or miss league, man. Come on. Sometimes where's your, you make them, hey, sometimes you Coach don't. Coach Scott, where's your whiteboard? I want to see what, what you're going to come up with. What's the point of coming up with anything? <laughs> because sometimes they're going to go in and sometimes they're not. So what? if you need me, I'll be taking a nap in my office. That's the game plan for tonight. If what you're saying was true, then the coaches would be the MVPs, not the players. The players have to go out and execute. But this is this is a schematic. Well, thing. that's the point. The Jazz didn't execute. That's the whole. That was the whole reason they lost. Not because the Clippers came out with a good pl- game plan that the Jazz didn't have an answer I saw for. Ball. That's I mean, what they did. That's about as simplistic as it gets. If it works, man. You got to figure it out. It's it it is the luxury of coaching Kawhi Leonard. It's the reason that franchises were breaking the rules to sign the guy. Well, yeah. Because and I understand that the two combined for what's what sixty four point sixty five points whatever sixty five But then you got Batum and, and Jackson who are combining for thirty four. Now ask yourself why. Any NBA player can hit a three-pointer if they're well, left okay, with nobody okay. so, around. But what you're suggesting then is, okay, if the Jazz blitz the two stars, then those guys are going to be left wide open. So what do you do? At least then maybe you have Rudy in the play. I, that's that's the uh, – I know we're way over, Austin. I'm very sorry. 
Uh, but that's that's the answer. Is how do you how do you make Rudy Gobert Gobert more of a factor? Because that was the point of the strategy in the first place. Is you want to make Rudy less of a factor because he's so good. You don't want to heaven forbid you bring him to the ball with a, a screen. You don't want to do any of that. You just want to go one on one, and then if Rudy makes an impact, it's actually going to make them more vulnerable. So how do you make Rudy well, more then, impactful with at, your schematic? With at your the basic scheme? level, you have to double the guys. Because maybe they throw it to Rudy's guy, but then at least Rudy's in the play. How do you make? How do you bring Rudy's defensive? Or, or you bring Rudy over to double uh, as the action is coming into the paint. See now, and then you leave his man open. But okay, do you want to get beat by by uh, by Kawhi, or you want to get beat by Nicholas Batum? Ah, see, so, see, now we're thinking critically, Gordon. Here you are. Here we are. Welcome. Oh, Welcome. Okay. We're not just talking about trying harder. All right, I'm I'm, I'm kidding. I, I am joking. Uh, we want to uh, thank uh, my job. Our good friends at Soundsley Medical. <laughs> Do you Kevin. snore at night, or are you currently using a CPAP machine to treat sleep apnea? Soundsley Medical can improve your life. Visit SoundsleepMedical.com. I'll never forget that interview ever. That was one of the most awkward interviews in the history of sports radio. <laughs> Not my job, Kevin. What are you going to do? Well, Gordon, why don't you tell me what to do? Not my job, Kevin. What are you going to do? I don't know, Gordon. What do you think I should do? <laughs> it went on like that for like six minutes. Oh, uh, man. All right. Stay tuned. More next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, look who made an appearance. Paul George. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have some fight in them after all. Let's go. Our Utah Jazz look to leave Los Angeles up 3-1 after Monday night. In the lane, high off the glass and in, Donovan Mitchell. I will never back down. Game four tips off at 8 p.m. I will never back down. The Jazz Live pregame show begins at 7. I will never back down. On your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. I will never back down. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. What do you want? You're locked on to the big show. Presented by Big O Tires. Just doing it big, you know. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. Big O Tires. The team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We'll get to Coach Chiesa coming up at the top of the 3 o'clock hour. Stay tuned for that. Want to remind you about our friends at Zero Res. When I get my carpets and tile clean, it's never just clean. It's Zero Res clean, and I won't have it any other way. Just $33 per room clean. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today. Some real quick NBA news here, Gordon. A couple of things. One, Kyrie Irving will miss Game 5. Uh, coming up tomorrow with his sprained ankle, Steve Nash indicated that he had an MRI. Nash had, added that he had no idea whether or not he'll be able to return uh, for this series against Milwaukee. And then additionally, Gordon, uh, the NBA's competition committee met today to further explore rules changes to restrict unnatural motions Excuse me, on jump shots players use to draw fouls. NBA wants to limit players including stars like Trey Young and James James Harden, according to Woj, from leaning backwards and sideways to draw fouls. Mm. All right. I love that. Let's do that. Has that been happening a lot? Have you watched James Harden play? He's leaning every which way to get just a nick so the whistle blows. I was referring more to the jump ball. But, uh, yeah. Wait. I'm with you on that. What jump ball? Oh, I thought you were talking about a jump ball. No, no, no. We're, this is this is limiting players' ability to like oh to jump into. to jump okay, into somebody, lean okay. into somebody, lean backwards to draw the contact okay. to get the foul. I got you. I'm okay. all sorry. Sorry. I was no, no. I, for your some reaction. reason, that was in my mind. Uh, yeah, you and I have talked a lot about that through the years, Jake. And that's I get I I, I like you get frustrated with when when a defender. You've got to allow a defender to, to hold his ground. And when somebody jumps into you, that's not a foul. Yeah. Well, and it makes defending going over a screen on a pick and roll pert near impossible because they just stop and yeah. jump backwards. Yes. And create the, the contact. So, yep. yeah. I'm, We've I'm, seen that a whole lot. I'm yeah. glad they're examining that because I do think 
I mean, I fouls and foul shots. I mean, it, it's part of strategy and it's part of the game and all that, and I get it. But nobody paid good money to come see James Harden shoot foul shots. Yeah, yeah. And he has taken advantage of the rules as they have been written, and so it's good that they're addressing that. And I've seen other players do that as well. So it's nice to, to get that nipped and thrown out because, you know, I, I mean, it's one thing to be crafty on the court, but I, I don't think that's what fans want to see. They don't want to see crafty. They want to see athletes go out there and play smart basketball and not uh, try to you know, bend those rules in their favor. All right, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, we're good friend Matt from the Loan Depot. We're helping out our listeners with uh, reverse mortgages. What's going on, Matt? Hey, guys. How are we doing? Uh, Matt, you didn't bring back, like, puka shells, did you? Or, uh, like, no. a grass skirt no, or no. anything like that? No. However, back when my I, – so I had a brother and, um, and, and now a sister-in-law that got married, and uh, – they uh, at their wedding we were at the airport and we got one of those little plants that are in the little lava rock and that thing has stayed alive for eight years oh wow it has been and and i'm I'm not one that keeps plants alive but this thing has just done it extremely well but that's that's probably the only thing that i have really kept over time that i've brought back from hawaii Mm -hmm. how about that all right matt what are we uh, getting into on this one all right so yeah you know when we talk about reverse mortgages and, uh, you know, one of the things that gets brought up, you know, very commonly is, you know, I, hey, Matt, I can I, I'm still doing well. I'm still making money. I, you know, I just want to, to refinance or I want to just do a forward mortgage or, um, you know, and continue to make payments, which is great. Right. I mean, the idea of, of paying down your mortgage is, is fantastic. However, when you make a payment on a forward mortgage, can you take the payment back? What do you think? That's a question. No, I know. I'm trying to think. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't like make the payment and take it back. Wouldn't it be great if, if you made a payment, it went to lowering down the loan balance, but dollar for dollar went into a line of credit where it's earning interest in your benefit and you could take the money back if you ever needed it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. So that's one of the features of the reverse mortgage program is if, if you would like to continue to pay down your mortgage, you can. It's optional to make those principal or interest payments, but as you make them, every payment that you make pays down the loan balance and goes into the line of credit where it is earning interest in your benefit. And, um, and again, it can be withdrawn whenever you would like. So um, if you think about it, your home equity becomes liquid. It becomes a living, breathing, checking account that you can draw on if you need it. And so this is just one of the many benefits that's available to you with the reverse mortgage program. Awesome. And I'm sure folks out there have a lot of questions. That's why Matt gives out his cell, 801-330-2200. Call 801-330-2200. And you've got an event coming up too, right? I do. So day after tomorrow, we're going to be doing a um, a live event. And uh, it's going to be here in Salt Lake. So just send me a text. Uh, let me know that you're interested. This is going to be catered. We'll have some lunch. Be you know just open Q&A. And we'll go through and really, you know, help to educate you. So if you've had any questions about a reverse mortgage and what this is, um, or if you, you know, have uh, any doubts about, you know, potentially getting one, this is going to be a great event to uh, to come to. 801-330-2200. 801-330-2200. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. It's our friend Matt from the Loan Depot. Coach Chiesa joins the show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.